We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is the hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. for another episode of what the world needs more of my name is jerick robbins i am your host today we are joined by a very special guest scarlett thank you for joining us thanks for having me jerick it's an honor we're very excited we're going to dive straight into the question of the show which is what do you believe the world needs more of i think the world needs more of an awareness that we can choose love in every situation and circumstance and interaction that we have. So bottom line, love. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a huge fan of love. Question, <laughs> how do we help people choose love? Um, I'm guessing it's easier maybe in the loving moments, but how do we help people choose love in the, the harder moments? Well, actually, so my six-year-old son was murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School, and he left a message on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. He wrote three words, nurturing, healing, love. Now, those words aren't something that a six-year-old would normally say. They were phonetically spelled because he was in first grade and just learning how to write. But those words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And when you break down the meaning, it's actually a profound formula for choosing love. And this is what we're teaching, actually, in every state and now in over 65 countries. And the formula is this. It starts with courage because Everything that we do in life starts with courage. That's the most important character value that underlies all the rest. So nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. Healing literally means forgiveness. And love is compassion in action. When you have the courage to practice each of those character values, and by the way, neuroscientifically accurately in that order, you are choosing love. So in other words, if you have the courage to be grateful, even when things aren't going your way, when you have the courage to forgive, even when the person who hurts you isn't sorry, and when you have the courage to step outside of your distraction or even pain to help someone else, you're choosing love. Hmm. That's so powerful. Can we go through those one more time? What was the order? I'm going to write these down so I can remember to put them in the show notes for everybody. Absolutely. So we start off with courage. And I talk a lot about courage because Jesse, who was six years old at the time of his murder, was actually a hero. He 
stood up to the shooter who came into his first grade classroom and saved nine of his first grade classmates' lives before losing his own. Mm. And for this, he was given a commander-in-chief funeral that's reserved for heads of state and returning war heroes. He was considered a war hero because his first grade classroom was a literal war zone. So we talk about courage because that's the same courage that we all have within us. We all have Jesse's courage. Um, It's the courage, hopefully we're never called to lay down our lives for our friends, which is the ultimate form of courage. But it's the courage to be kind when someone's not being kind to us. It's the courage to tell the truth. It's the courage to do the right thing. We have so many opportunities every single day to practice courage. And courage is like a muscle. It has to be practiced. So we start off with courage. And then we move to gratitude. So gratitude is the great mind shifter. We all have around 50,000 thoughts every single day. Uh, We know on average 70 to 80% of those 50,000 thoughts are negative. On average, that means angry, nonproductive, and don't service. And further, over 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. So when you think about the fact that your thoughts create your perception of your reality, that everything starts with a thought. Anger starts with a thought. Joy starts with a thought. It really makes you want to be mindful of what you're putting into your head. And the interesting thing about thoughts is that you can only have one thought at a time. So those 50,000 thoughts go through your head, single file. But what that means is that you can't have an angry resentful, hateful thought, and a loving, grateful thought at the same time. So it's the great mind shifter. You can shift your thoughts by replacing an angry thought with a grateful thought. And then we move into forgiveness. Forgiveness has actually been uh, probably the most important part of my journey, as you can imagine. Um, Jesse was murdered by a former student of Sandy Hook Elementary School whose mother used to teach at the school. Mm. He's a very um, angry man, as, as you can imagine. And, um, but I started on my journey of forgiveness right away. And actually, Jesse's message of nurturing, healing love was instrumental in starting me on that path. Because I knew when I saw the message that if Adam Lanza who was the shooter at Sandy Hook, had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, the tragedy would never have happened. It's pretty simple. That's why I've dedicated my life to spreading this awareness. Mm. So forgiveness is actually the key to having healthy relationships. And in a 75-year longitudinal study by Harvard University, they found that positive relationships were the key to happiness. And so that's something that we all have in common. We want to be happy and positive relationships are the key to that. And then we move into compassion and action. So compassion has two components. There's an identifying component or an empathetic component. And then there's the action component. Now, empathy can be painful because it lights up the same receptors in the brain as physical pain. And there is something called empathy burnout. 
<laughs> that's when uh, we can only feel someone else's pain for so long and then we have to turn away. But then there's the action component of compassion. That's when you actively do something to help ease another's pain. And that's the miraculous component because all of what I say, the nurturing, healing love that we give out, we get back. And there's so much science behind that. So when you have the courage to practice gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action, and that's actually neuroscientifically accurate in its order because practicing one and then the other strengthens you to contemplate the other you are choosing love oh i love it and i've, I've taken <laughs> down my notes here so it's courage to practice the gratitude and to have the forgiveness which leads to the compassion and then it's love in action you're a quick student yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> learning quickly to access more love. I, I love that science behind it as well. My next question yeah. is, and this will be an interesting one, what do you consider to be your wow factor? What makes you uniquely you, and what are some of the moments that help shape it over the years? Well, I think that my defining moment was the tragedy at Sandy Hook and, and having my six-year-old son murdered. And I've learned so many lessons from that. And I think uh, one of the most important things that I've learned is that it's not really about what happens to you in life because everyone has pain. Uh, everyone suffers. That's something that we all have in common as human beings. We all have our stuff and it doesn't really matter how old we are. We all face difficulty and challenges and roadblocks all the way up to trauma and tragedy and it's not about what happens to you it's about how you choose to respond to what happens to you that's what shapes and molds you as a human being and i realized that early on and i'm grateful to have realized that uh, i think that some people have a narrative and it's you know well this happened to me that happened to me but in reality we're all shaped and molded by how we choose to respond to things. And, you know, I learned that there are two kinds of people in this world and only two kinds of people, good people. So good people like you and me and your listeners that are trying to be part of the solution. And then there are good people in pain. Mm. And that is a hopeful statement because there's always something that we can do to help ease another's pain. So I think that that was my defining moment, really understanding that I could choose love as a response. And when I chose love, I refused to be a victim. I took my personal power back and I am hopefully making the world a better place in my actions. If I had reacted in anger, hatred, and resentment, I would have become a victim and I would not have added value to the world. And we all have a choice. And I think, how would you know that you had a choice unless you were told that and given that awareness and then the skills and tools to be able to make that choice? And that's what we teach at the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. We have this no-cost program that teaches kids that they can choose love in every 
situation and circumstance and interaction that they have on a daily basis. Hmm. I love it. Here, here's my next question. What's the what's a humbling moment? We've heard a few, but what's a humbling moment you've had along your journey? I am very humbled by the interactions that I've had within the last six years. Uh, a huge um, blessing, I guess you would say, to having been through something like I have been. And then going around and being vulnerable in front of audiences is that that vulnerability cultivates trust with other people. So my, my pain is well known. Everyone knows what I went through and I share the experience openly and my feelings about it. And in turn, people trust me. And they, it's a deeper connection that I have with my audience. And so in other words, they come up and the first conversation that I'll have with somebody that I've never met is something that they've never told someone else. And it is such a beautiful gift, this trust and this deeper connection that I'm so grateful for and, and humbled by and uh, it's absolutely a beautiful thing. And, of course, I would give everything back to have my son for one more second, but that's not going to happen. So, so in the meantime, I'm very grateful for all the lessons that I've learned and the incredible people that I've met. Mm, beautiful. What about an awe-inspiring moment over the years? An awe-inspiring moment. I think my favorite moment was visiting a school, and this was a, a very small school in a rural area. They had endured tremendous tragedy in a short amount of time. They had a suicide in their school district. Then they had a copycat suicide and then a car full of kids driving to the funeral had been T-boned and they had another death. And they had downloaded our program um, and we didn't realize it, but had begun teaching it in their small school district. And then they posted something on social media saying, we choose love. And that's when we noticed. And so we reached out and, you know, asking, how's it going? And we got this absolutely beautiful letter back about how the program was now being taught in almost every situation and circumstance in their education system and how it was helping them heal and move on. And I ended up flying down there and spending, actually I was their convocation speaker, so I uh, kicked off the, the next school year with them and just being met with tears of gratitude and seeing how the program had helped them choose how they responded to tragedy was an absolutely awe-inspiring thing for me. And I was so grateful. Mm. How beautiful. Here's a question. What's your greatest fear? 
That's such an interesting question because I remember following Jesse's murder, I woke up one day and I realized all of a sudden I had no fear. For the first time in my life, I, I was sitting on the couch and I was feeling horrible because this is just a, a few days after Jesse had died. But I also had this incredible, almost lightness of being. And I was sitting there trying to analyze what the heck was going on. How could I be feeling this while I was at a low point in my life? And all of a sudden I realized what I was feeling was living without fear for the first time in my life. I think we live with fear and we don't even realize we're living with it and how limiting it is. And it was an incredible feeling. I, I was so grateful. I mean, you know, I had just lost my son. That's most people's greatest fear is to lose their child. So I really had nothing to fear. And that lasted for quite a while until I remember one day it came back. <laughs> I think I was traveling or something. And all of a sudden it hit me, this thought, oh my gosh, you've got to stay alive until JT reaches 18. What are you doing? And, uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, there it is. Now you're back. And I felt a little cap that I hadn't had before. So uh, that, that's kind of my experience with fear. And, you know, I believe that at the base of every choice that we make on a daily basis, we're either choosing from a foundation of fear or love. And the outcomes of both of those choices are so vastly different. And I have this awareness. So I try my best every single day to be present and to make my choices based on love. Of course, I don't think I'm always successful, but I try. Yeah, it's the challenge. It's the challenge. It is. We had a guest on a couple episodes who she was hiking with her husband in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro, and um, a boulder came down and crushed him right in front of her. Oh, my God. And the next day she was on a plane early in the morning heading back to, to San Francisco where they lived. And as she got on the plane and she sat down by herself, she, she came with, with her husband but was leaving by herself now back home. And she was obviously in shock and shaken up. Um, and she, you know, she remembers she was sitting by the window and she, she had her eyes shut, but she, she was there the, just the path of the plane was going to fly directly by the mountain where all this happened. And she remembered she had her eyes open and she saw the mountain coming and she felt like closing her eyes and she really wanted to not look. But then she said, you know, she just kept her eyes open and she chose to, to see and to feel. And she said she saw when I asked her what her awe-inspiring moment was, she said she saw the most beautiful sunrise she's ever seen in her life come up over that mountain as the plane was flying by. And she said it, you know, it was the most beautiful thing because she was willing, like you said, to not allow fear to cause her to close her eyes and turn away from life, but instead allow love or faith to allow her to keep her eyes open and look for the beauty in something 
even even in the moment of of, of pain. Um, and then she received that beautiful gift. Yeah, it's so special. And and it is. You know, for people listening, it, it's one of the hardest things in the world. But it, it's one of the things, like you said, you might not get it right every day. But like a muscle, that courage. If you have the courage to continue to to build that strength of standing strong in a place of love and, and compassion in those moments it, it's amazing who it builds as a human being in this world someone like you said that adds so much value and love and life to the world around you um, but it's something that's built it's not something that magically just happens exactly very cool i love that what are you most excited about for your future well, I am most excited about the fact that I believe choosing love, spreading this awareness, and the program that we have called the Choose Love Enrichment Program, which is a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade social emotional learning program, can change our world. This is what I'm most excited about because this is a solution to the issues that we're experiencing today in our schools that then translate out into our society. So we have an epidemic now of so many different things, things that were going on when your dad and I were in school. I think we may be closer in age than you and I, <laughs> but, you know, bullying and substance abuse and depression and suicide and anxiety, all these things were happening when we went to school. They're still happening, but at extreme levels, at ec epidemic levels. We have 49.5% of our U.S. youth that, have, that will have a diagnosable mental illness by the time they're 18. Um, we know that bullying has increased by 21% since we started tracking it in 2003. And that's just traditional bullying. That's not even uh, cyberbullying. We don't have a handle on that. We know we had more deaths by drug overdoses last year than ever before, more suicides than murders in the U.S. We have an epidemic of loneliness where kids are saying they're more lonely than senior citizens. And we've had twice as many students murder students in classrooms than we have military die in active combat this year. So we have issues and they are simply growing worse. And the only solution I know of <laughs> and I go around and talk about this all the time, all around the world. And I always ask people, if you have a better solution, raise your hand and I'll get behind it. No one has ever even offered a suggestion. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And that is uh, spreading our program and the awareness of social and emotional learning. There are decades of research behind teaching kids social and emotional intelligence, which includes having healthy relationships, deep and meaningful connections, skills and tools for resilience, how to manage their emotions and manage conflict, just to name a few things. Decades of research on the benefits of teaching kids those skills and tools, including better grades and test scores, higher attendance rates, higher graduation rates, less stress and anxiety in school, less behavioral issues, it's a statistically effective way to reduce bullying. And then they even have, so I said decades of research, they even have 
followed kids over decades and found later in life they have less substance abuse of all uh, they have less substance abuse less mental illness of all kinds less incarceration less anger and violence even less divorce rates so it's really really powerful the outcomes and it proactively prevents a lot of the issues that we're seeing in schools that then translates out into society um, and I'm most excited about how this program can help make our schools safer. And we can do that by cultivating safety from the inside out of a child. A lot of times we focus on external safety measures, which include active shooter protocols and single point entries and arming or not arming school resource officers. But none of that addresses the cause of why a child would want to harm themselves or another child. Really, the only thing that does that is social emotional learning, teaching these kids these skills and tools and cultivating safety from the inside out. Kids that are connected can have healthy relationships, are resilient to the issues we know are going to come their way in life, can manage their emotions and conflict, are not going to want to harm themselves or anyone else. It makes common sense, but there's also research behind that. So I think that I'm most excited about the difference that we're making with our program and keeping kids safe and healthy in schools and giving them the best chance to lead a meaningful and purpose-filled life. Now we're going to switch gears, and I'm going to ask something, which I'm pretty sure I know the answer to because you just shared it, but I'm going to tee it up anyways. Uh, this next section we call Nuts and Bolts. It's a tactical, tangible, practical, applicable tip someone listening could immediately apply with their family with their kids with themselves something they could actually start doing today kind of like that five-step formula we gave earlier um, but the first is where do you currently spend all of or invest all of the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day well I personally invest almost all of my time in being part of the solution to the issues that we're seeing in this world. So I travel quite a bit and I am a public speaker and I work mostly with educators and parents and administrators and communities actually um, helping spread this message. So I feel very grateful that I am able to really spend the vast majority of my time in service mm -hmm. to humanity. And uh, we know through science that all of the, I could say nurturing, healing, love that you give out, you get back. And so it's such a, it's such a healing thing for me. And I am so grateful to be seeing the difference that we're making. And so I, that's where I spend the majority of my time. Awesome. What's one key to your success in doing all of that? I think a key to my success is really having a pureness of heart and intention. Hmm. I am simply doing what I'm doing because I want to save lives. <laughs> that is really my goal. 
my goal is to make sure that every child has access to what we know through research is in their best interest and can positively impact them for the rest of their lives. And that is really my heartfelt intention. And so I think that that is, uh, that's the answer to your question. I love it. And if we were to leave everyone with one actionable tip that could help them achieve and experience the, the types of beautiful things you've been creating in, in the world, what's, what's the one tip we would leave people with that they could immediately apply and start to see shifts happening in their life or their community? You know, what I learned is the way to live your life with the fewest regrets, because we never know what's going to happen in any given moment, is to be present with the ones that you love. So that means not on your phone, not on your TV, not thinking about what happened earlier today, not worried about what you're going to do in the future, but literally present with the ones that you love right now, looking into their eyes, having a conversation, spending time with them. That is the key to living life with the fewest regrets. And I know that because that's what I tried to do with my two boys. I tried to be present with them. I had a, I was a single mom. I worked long hours. I felt like I didn't get enough time with them anyway. And when I was with them, I wanted to be with them um, to the point where we did not have a TV, <laughs> which still don't. So I was really present and I received so many gifts from being present like that, in, including actually um, on the very last day of Jesse's life, I walked him out to meet his father at the edge of the driveway and I turned around to give him a hug goodbye and I noticed that he had written in the frost on my car. Remember, this was December in New England. I love you. And he had drawn hearts in all my windows. And practicing my presence, knowing that that was one of life's moments, I ran inside, got my phone, which is now, of course, our camera, and came out, positioned him by the message, took a couple of pictures, took a close-up picture of the I love you, gave him a big hug and kiss and sent him on his way. But because I practiced being present, I was able, I knew that that was one of life's moments. I was able to get a picture of my goodbye message. It's not just in my memory. I can show it to people and I can explain the power of presence by showing that picture. And that's something that people can do right now. They can start it right now because you know what? I go out to dinner and I'll see a family of four, mother, father, two kids sitting across from one another. They're all on their devices. And what I really want to do is go up and say, hey, you all, you all have each other right in front of you. You all have the most beautiful gift that you could ever have. Don't waste it on your phones. Look into each other's eyes. Tell each other that you love each other. Share gratitudes. 
go around and share stories of what happened during the day, what your favorite thing was, what your high point was, what your low point was. Enjoy each other. That is the meaning of life. And, and that focus is something that everyone can do right now, and it will make your life exponentially better. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's so, so very true. One of our favorite things to do when we have friends over is we have this little box of cards and it has random questions. Like you just said, what are your, what was your high point? What's your mm-hmm. favorite moment? What's something silly? And, and just the practice of, of asking those questions and listening and hearing and experiencing everyone's experiences is such a beautiful gift. Such a beautiful gift. I love that tip for everyone. Who's yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing so much of your journey, for sharing that amazing five-step formula that helps with nurturing and healing and love, Uh, Mm -hmm. for sharing that incredible tip to be present in the moment and to experience and ask those people the beautiful questions to hear more about what they have to share. Uh, If people want to learn more about the, the program you said, I believe they could download and, and use or, or access and use when their own schools or communities. Where do they go to find that? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. They go to the website, jessielewischooselove.org. Jesse spelled J-E-S-S-E, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. You can log on. You can download the program right now for as long as we can. It's no cost. We are coming out in about a week with a parent program, which is a no-cost video-based program for parents that is very closely linked to what the kids are learning in the classroom so that everyone can be on the same page. And shortly after that, we'll be coming out with a community program, so a way that communities and businesses can get on board with Choosing Love and support the movement as well. Very cool. Well, we will have the links for that in the show notes. If you're listening, go to the show notes, click the links, go and check it out. And and here's something that we firmly believe. We believe that sharing is caring. We like caring people. So make sure to share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. Make sure to share those links with someone who needs to hear it and access it and use that information. Uh, Scarlett, again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jarek. And for everyone who's tuning in, Make sure to tune in next episode. I very much look forward to seeing you there. 